I always felt that it was destined for us uh, because we had the right formula, we had the right coaching staff, we had the right group of guys. And there was always doubt. There's always people saying you can't do it. And we were ready to do it again. Welcome to Leadership with Lisa. This is Lisa Carmen Wang, U.S. national champion and Hall of Fame gymnast turned serial entrepreneur and executive leadership coach. This is a show that dives into deeply personal stories from the world's most impactful leaders, transforming the face of business and culture as we know it. You'll learn powerful leadership lessons to help you become more passionate, purposeful, and powerful in your life. Are you ready to dive in? Let's do it. What does it take to win? As a national champion gymnast, this is a question I asked myself every single day. Like other champions, I soon discovered that the first and most important part of winning is actually believing you can. This simple sentiment is surprisingly difficult for people to master. Because how can you believe you're going to win when there are so many other people that won't hesitate to point out the difficulty or impossibility of winning? Here's the thing. There will always be critics, naysayers, doubters. But if you want it bad enough, you have to learn how to take these voices and turn them into even greater sources of motivation to win. Then, you have to surround yourself with the right team of people who see your vision just as clearly as you do. If there was one sports team that learned how to win, it was the Chicago Bulls. They're one of the NBA's most legendary dynasties, winning six NBA championships between 1991 and 1998 with two three-peats. The Bulls are the only NBA team to win multiple championships while never losing an NBA final series in their history. Today's guest is Bill Cartwright. He's a former Chicago Bulls player and head coach. He played 16 seasons for the New York Knicks, Chicago Bulls, and Seattle Supersonics, and helped the Bulls capture three consecutive championships. In today's episode, we discuss how to have a winning mindset at any stage in life, the importance of appreciating your teammates and coaches, and the untold story of the Chicago Bulls in Michael Jordan's The Last Dance documentary. I hope today's episode reminds you that you have the capability to win at whatever you pursue, so long as you want it badly enough. Welcome, Bill Cartwright, to the Leadership with Lisa podcast. Well, thank you. I'm uh, very pleased to be here. And uh, let's mention our, my thanks to my buddy, Steve Cohen, uh, that we know and love. Uh, should be fun. Yeah. So first question for you, Bill. How do you define leadership? I think that um, to become a leader, it's uh, you know you have to be you have to be a uh, an Indian, and then you have to be a chief. Hmm. So it's it's really knowing the job, and then now it's doing what's necessary to get that job done. To me, a leadership is all about whoever you're around. Uh, so if you're around one person, if you're around 10 people, understanding their job, understanding how they feel, and then understanding how they are best suited to do that job. And then now the last thing that's really tricky is having people get appreciation for that job. And it really doesn't matter how big it is or small it is. Uh, you've got to have that acknowledgement. Mm. So you know, what we know mostly, what you're known for is your basketball career. Um, you've been part of the six-time championship team in Chicago Bulls. You've been part of the Knicks. You then went on to be a coach as well. Um, tell me about how you've translated some of those leadership lessons you've learned into your career in basketball. Well, for one thing, I was very lucky. Um, I, had a, I had great parents. Um, so, and it's really interesting because you, your parents and really your coaches kind of really set a foundation for the learning 
because you're you're given tasks. Uh, a lot of times you're given rewards for those tasks. Uh, you're 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 given the information that you needed to get the task done. And then uh, with my dad, of course, and my mom, uh, they're going to hold you to a really high standard. So you better get it done. You better get it done on time, and um, and 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 do the best you can. And then now, uh, there's always a possibility of being rewarded. So when you're young, it's like, hey, you know, I could get a special meal, or maybe, uh, God forbid, I may get some money. So, you know, you you have a really, really high standard. And that's what I really learned from my dad. I learned from uh, my high school coach, Dan Resley, when I was young, um, that just do it well, do it the best you can. Do it with the best effort. And uh, some really good things are going to happen. Yeah. Well, you certainly held yourself to a very high standard throughout your career. And what recently has come out is the Last Dance documentary. Um, There was a lot of focus on Michael Jordan, of course. um, And there... Uh, what about the team? You know, I'm I'm actually curious about first what's what's the untold story there that having been on the inside that you wish the world could hear. <laughs> uh, yeah, we did see that uh, uh, documentary uh, that highlight tape. So, uh, but what did we learn? What could have been a really great story about the Bulls, which is what the Bulls had, was. Um, we had great leadership with uh, with our owners, Jerry Reinstorp, but our general manager, Jerry Krause. Jerry Krause had a great team with Jimmy Stack and Clarence Gaines. We had a great coaching staff, which was with the vision of, of Jerry, Jerry Krause, Bill Jackson, and we had guys like Tex Winter, and we had guys like Bill Clemens. Uh, so we had a great coaching staff. And then uh, besides Michael, Jerry Krause drafted or traded for everybody. So that's guys like myself, guys like John Paxson, Horace Grant, uh, Scotty Pippen, and our entire bench. It seems like it was just, you felt like they didn't tell the story of the team, of everyone else who wasn't Michael Jordan. Well, let's think about it this way. In the six years I played there, I had 30-plus different teammates that made up our championship teams. That's the real story and genius of the organization is that we had all these different great players. Uh, We had a great coaching staff, and we had um, players who came in were willing to play their role uh, for the betterment of the team. So it's... um, it's a great story. It's a positive story that kind of gets overlooked sometimes with all the uh, drama and happened on the floor. But uh, the story itself was positive. Uh, and, um, you know, the results of that was a great championship. Yeah. I mean, what was the visceral reaction for you when you saw that documentary? Uh, it's, it's, for some of my teammates, they were not happy. For me, I was laughing. Because it's uh, it's like, well, when did that happen? Um, when did this guy become a tough guy? And, uh, so, look, for me, everything had its, uh, everybody could tell their own story. If that's the story you want to tell, I'm good with it. But the reality is, uh, is that we won five championships. And I was really fortunate and blessed to be part of um, of a championship team. Uh, it worked with some really great people, some really, uh, maybe one of the greater uh, GMs, coaches, and uh, some of the best players of all time. Mm, yeah. I mean, it, it certainly, I think what it did do is it brought the uh, the story of the Bulls um, back to a, especially a generation now, which wasn't, alive back then even to watch it and can bring back some of that magic because I do think winning that many championships today would be extremely difficult. Yeah, it's, it's a little difficult now because uh, guys have a different mindset. 
there is certainly a heck of a lot more money. And I think that guys really have an opportunity to think differently. Because really, if you're a, a good player, first round pick, uh, if you're smart, you can really be done playing financially by the time you're 31. So after your second contract, so it's a different mindset. So now you can be off to think other thoughts, have your own business. Some of the guys maybe want to uh, do something to help other people or maybe um, do some kind of video game production or some television production. So it's, it's a different mentality that I do appreciate. And I think it's going to be interesting because to me right now, guys have an opportunity to be bigger than basketball. They can really impact uh, other people. And hopefully it's it's to the better good. That is interesting because it, it actually in the documentary, I remember um, there was a part where they actually criticized Michael Jordan for not speaking up um, on political issues during the time. And as we know now, there's a it's a really important moment in history with Black Lives Matter, with, you know, so many minority groups actually finally having the opportunity to speak up and demand change um, and hopefully see some sort of change throughout. So what do you um, what do you see as the responsibility of the players today or people who do have a platform? Well, some guys view that it's not that's not really their cup of tea. And listen, look, let's face it, some guys are better at it than others. Uh, it's the difference between Hank Aaron and Willie Mays. They each speak out in their own way, but just Hank Aaron, just a lot more. So uh, I think you have, you, should you do that? Of course you should. Uh, into whatever comfort zone there is to, to have people understanding um, or have you under the understanding that um, because you do have a platform, you can fight, and most people don't. Uh, so the bad thing is that there's people out there, at that point in time, they didn't have that understanding of that. There's a lot of, there's a lot of wrongs that are going on out here. we got to chase things, and the easiest thing to do is to do nothing. And also, let's face it, a lot of people aren't willing to risk it, put themselves in line. So... Um, now, uh, yeah, it's a different beast right now. So uh, it's really interesting to me that the people who did not speak out, and there was a ton, now everybody's speaking out. So uh, fortunately, finally, uh, they got everybody speaking out now. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very pleased. Yeah. I mean, tell me about how you're feeling just with everything going on, you know, as a black man, as someone who, you know, has experienced um, this, has been in the spotlight. Um, now you're post, uh, post that athletic career. How is this movement affecting you and what are some of your thoughts around it? Well, I, I view it as, you know, the events that caused everybody to basically get on board was horrific. Um, was it needed? Um, I don't know, but but the results of it is that I am really enthused about all the young people, and that's black, white, that's everybody, with a clear understanding that this cannot happen. This is not acceptable. Uh, we're better than this, uh, and somebody should be held accountable. So I'm very enthusiastic. Uh, and as you know, I work at the University of San Francisco. So people, uh, I see them constantly before the weekend happens, uh, good or bad, they've got their signs ready to go. And they're heading out the door. They're really um, wanting to make a change for the betterment of everybody. So I'm really excited with that. I hope it uh, remains for the most part really, really peaceful. But, and I'm really hoping that there's going to be some significant changes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so to that point of this 
enthusiasm, this optimism that seems to be something that um, you've you've had throughout your career and that you've talked about in the beginning about leadership is is celebrating, acknowledging people. Tell me about um, how you were able to do that throughout your career with your teammates. How did you guys celebrate or how did you acknowledge the other players? Well, because I had great leaders growing up. You know, I talked about my dad. I talked about my high school coach. Uh, I went to Little Oak Grove High School. And somehow we were able to become the best team in the Valley. In the Sacramento Valley, we were able to be, when I was a junior, we were 30 and 0. When I was a senior, Little Oak Grove High School won the Northern California Championship which is a Hoosiers kind of thing. It's like, what are you guys doing up here? Oh, bro, get out of here. But um, it was all about hard work with our coach and uh, uh, our team. Uh, it was all about sharing. And it's all about being held to a high standard. And I can promise you, your coach did, did that for you. And then the acknowledgement of all of our players together. So. Uh, I was really for, very fortunate. Now, I would say he tortured you a little bit, but uh, but you learned a lesson of what, uh, what winning and teamwork was all about. And similar here to the University of San Francisco, uh, when I went to school here, I had uh, great coaches, Bob Gaylor, Dan McWallamy. Um, played with really great players, but for boys, James Hardy, guys like Howard Smith, Jeff Randall, uh, Marlon Renneman, the list goes on and on. But uh, we worked extraordinarily hard. So my sophomore year, uh, University of San Francisco Dons, all of a sudden, we're the number one team in the country. So I was like, what is going on here? It's all about the work. It's all about the giving of one another. Great coaches, great teammates. Um, to have that experience, so it was it was real learning, especially when I when I was younger. That um, to have that kind of giving and and uh, and great leadership. So I, I really learned from from those guys. Mm. And you know, as someone who is a fellow athlete, and I remember when I won my first gymnastics championship. Um, but the interesting thing was after I won the first time and then I won my second championship, it was no longer about, uh, you know, the excitement of being the underdog and winning for that first time. It was then about defending the championship. So tell me about what it was like to win for the first time and then how your mentality or the team mentality shifted after you uh, had won that first time and we're going into that next season feeling the pressure to win again? Well, as, as an athlete, I had always been, uh, I grew up, we didn't have a lot. Um, I, I can remember a lot of times it's like, okay, we need to get a baseball. Uh, we don't have one. We definitely can't buy one. So you, you kind of had to find a way and, and try to get it done. So, um, that's really how I grew up with really wanting to do really, really well and having probably less than, at least we felt like most kids. So, um, and like in winning that first championship when I was in Chicago, there was always doubt. So we, we beat Detroit and now we're going to play the mighty Lakers. And I can promise you, we were the favorite in that series. So there's there, there's a lot of sense. There's a sense of, of doubt. There's a sense of that I'm going to show you. And there's a great sense of want, of wanting to do it. Because uh, it's almost, a, I've been, we've been preparing for this our entire lives uh, to, to, to win a championship. Um, so for us, you know, we started that series. We, we uh, actually lost the first game, won the second game in Chicago, and went down the, to L.A. for three games. So what were people saying? You guys are going to get swept. And 
they were ranked. It was a sweep, but it was the Bulls that swept the Lakers, and we won our first championship. So uh, that was really um, an incredible thing because we had worked and worked uh, for years to try to get to be as good as, as we were. You know, great coaches once again, teammates. We had a style of play and that we perfected. And then in our second championship, we wanted to do it again. We had another nemesis. And this time it was the Portland Trailblazers, who were great. They were a great team. They had great players. They had a Hall of Fame player. Um, but once uh, you have a sense of um, what's possible uh, and you have an opportunity to do it again, uh, there's you still have that basic uh, thing that oh, this wasn't a one-shot thing and you want an opportunity to prove it again. And similar to third time is the same challenge, but it's that same want and need to want to do it again because very few people do it. I always felt that it was destined for us uh, because we had the right formula, we had the right coaching staff, we had the right group of guys. And there was always doubt. There's always people saying you can't do it. And we were ready to do it again. And so proving it, when you mentioned that, was it, do you feel like it was to prove people wrong, you know, prove that doubt wrong? Or did you feel like there was something you needed to prove within yourself? I think it's all in that, you know, because you, you're always going to have doubters. There's always going to be people who know better, who are smarter. And then, of course, when you win, now they're on your side. Of course, I've been with you the whole time. Now you haven't. <laughs> now that you are, let's go party and have a good time. But uh, ultimately, uh, the winning, the work, uh, the time you put in, you understand, I understand, it's for me as for my teammates. So, and if that opportunity happens that you don't win, if you can look at yourself and say, you know what, I played the best I could play. I gave it my best effort. Um, I would just go with that and uh, and just head on home because I, I can live with that. What do you think it is that separates the winners from the losers really at the end of the day? Is it that just desire to win um, at any cost or you know what else is, is that? I think it's an understanding that you can win. And I still believe that there's um, people out there who, for whatever reason, they don't believe they can win. They don't believe it. They think they're pretty good. Look, like I said, I'm a guy from Oak Grove High School. What, what do I do? What am I doing playing in the NBA? But uh, I've always got a sense that there's something out there and it's possible and you can do it. Uh, there's nobody really bounding me but myself, which is a lesson I learned here at the University of San Francisco. You're really unbounded by, nothing bounds you other than your own thoughts. So I, I, I think there's people that don't have that mentality and nobody, and they've never been told. And hey, look, you can win. You can be a champion. So um, if you're not in that atmosphere, you've never been taught, you've never been coached, you don't have positive, extraordinarily, like I have positive parents, uh, why would you know that? I think that once people do find out, they're, they're released to their potential. Hmm. So how do you help someone you know i think about i i absolutely agree with that because it's the only thing you have in your own control at the end of the day is internal it's your emotions it's your perception on the world it is your willpower your motivation 
but how does someone who doesn't have good people around them, right, who just wasn't lucky enough to be born in that environment where someone said it's possible, how do you think that someone could cultivate a different mindset of possibility? I think you have to seek it out. And I think that, you know, you're really lucky right now because you have, uh, if you don't know anything about, we never had a computer growing up. Can you imagine that? Uh, we had a typewriter that was pretty innovative, but just to be able to seek out people who uh, want to do different things or do the things that you believe you want to do, you've got to be able to seek them out. And it's um, it's not tricky. Um, when I was fortunate uh, when I was younger, um, one of the first guys that I played basketball with was my cousin who was like four years older than me. And this guy was an all-city player, so I wouldn't play with him. And that dude was really good. So, you know, you learn. You learn from people who are doing what you want to do. And through that, you'll find out that, uh, hey, man, this guy works hard. Hey, man, this guy is... Uh, uh, this guy plays all the time. Um, it's 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 really funny when you're a kid that the that the people who are who are playing all the time are always the better players, and they seek each other out. Um, so it's um, it's just a thing. You've got to seek it out. You've got to just play. Um, work really hard, and then somewhere in there, I don't know how you're going to do it, try to have some fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's this one quote that I uh, like a lot. It's by Marion Williamson, and the quote is, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You're playing small does not serve the world. And so sometimes I actually think that while there is a fear of failure for a lot of people, there's sometimes almost this fear of like what is actually possible. And there's the fear of being big, fear of almost there, there's a burden of responsibility of, you know, because as you know, like when you win, it's not just about you anymore you suddenly have a whole new world of duty and responsibility, whether to yourself, to your family, to your team, to the country. Um, so how does that quote resonate with you? Oh, I like it. <laughs> I've been waiting for that. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, basketball is, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a team sport. So um, I don't know. I, I've never thought about being fearful of being mm. uh, uh, successful because that makes me extraordinarily happy. Mm. So if uh, I just like the fact that we have, you have an understanding that we can be pretty good. And I don't care who the best team in the country is to understand, have guys understand, coaches understand, we can beat them. And that basic thought, uh, and you see it all the time in games where teams, teams could be up 15 points. The other team who's really good, they come back, which is actually why we won a lot of games. There's an anticipation that that team's really good and uh, they're going to come back. And you can't have that mindset. Teams are good because you think they're good. Uh, our mindset is to basically beat you and kill you. And um, once you have that mindset and you understand, uh, and you've seen that your opponent is only as big as you are, as you think they are, if you think you can beat them, there's probably a really, really good chance that they're going down. If you if you think they're really good and you now you can give guys and teams respect. Okay, give them respect. Let's give we're gonna give you a ton of respect and then we're gonna kill you. 
So um, a Bill Russell quote is that you have an obligation to beat your opponent as bad as you can beat them. So I like that. Um, that's what I really believe. And um, if they don't like it, let them play better. But you want your team to play as best as they could possibly play. Yeah, I love that. I think it's, uh, um, I mean, what I think is also interesting now for you is like you, you grew up with six sisters. Six sisters. <laughs> so you knew I had to have some discipline and, and, and try to be tricky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and you have four kids, is that correct? Yes, four kids and uh, now seven grandsons. Uh, okay. So how do you bring that? I mean, it seems like there's this uh, respect and admiration for a team and being a team player. Um, and then the the hunger to win and beat at all costs. How do you instill that in your kids and your grands- grandsons? Well, it's it's funny because kids have that instinct to really really want to win. It's almost you gotta you have to tune them down because it's uh, sometimes if they lose they go the other way, <laughs> where they don't understand that luck. Uh, and this on this particular day you did not win, so you can't go ballistic and throw a fit. You've just got to get yourself ready, prepare better. Uh, to give it another shot. Um, and that's really for all sports. But, uh, you know, the sense is, is that um, you tell, I tell my grandkids now, is that, hey, look, we're, we're going to play without fear. There's not going to be any fear when you play. You're going to just play and just play the best you could possibly play. And it's as simple as that. Um, there's a, a, a freeing, especially in basketball, to where you're, you're worried. You're worried about what the coach is going to say. You're worried about turning the ball over. You're worried about missing shots. All those things you can't even think about instead of just playing the best you can play. Just play. Go for it. And like I said, somehow have some fun in there. Uh, so... Um, my oldest grandson now, he's 16, and he's playing grade, which is a little taller, but uh, uh, it is, it is, it's a pleasure to watch him because he gives such great effort. And uh, I, I have an appreciation for that. And, uh, and now he's learning to just play, and he's, he's, he's playing really well. Mm, yeah. And so outside the game, I'm actually curious about something that happens after you retire. So as a gymnast, I I spent over 10 years on the gymnastics team. That was my only focus, winning, training. But what happens to a lot of athletes after they retire is that they've spent their entire or a significant amount of their life with this one identity as an athlete. Um, And then you hear about athletes who have post you know post athletic career depression or they're like loss of identity who am i what's my purpose especially because there's a shorter shelf life right there's your body can only handle so much for so long and then you're you're old how did you handle that um and yeah that transition into normal life let's call it well i can i can promise you i was really prepared I finished my last year with the Sonics, um, and I had great thoughts, I thought, about what I was going to do when I got done playing. Um, I I wanted a job that was going to be, or a business that was going to focus on people and uh, how I could service them. So I thought about daycare. I thought about the hair salon business. I thought about the car business. I thought about restaurants or fast foods. So through all of that genius thinking, I thought I was going to be a McDonald's operator. 
So I was all ready to go. I, I met all the people in San Francisco and um, I was going to McDonald's U. In the meantime, I was uh, getting, finishing my master's at USF. Uh, I was coaching uh, my uh, uh, middle son's team. He was in the eighth grade at the time. And I was coaching a seventh and eighth grade girls basketball team. I was having a lot of fun doing. Uh, through all that, I got a phone call from <laughs> the Bulls GM, Jerry Cross, to come back and coach. And I thought that, uh, huh, I have a lot of fun here. I don't know if I want to do that. So I kind of turned him down. And then he called me back two days later. Uh, I kind of viewed that as that's uh, what I was supposed to be doing. So then uh, after playing, uh, for 16 years, I ended up coaching for 16 years. <laughs> and it was funny that even though I had prepared as well as I thought I had, I was still really kind of depressed for about a year. Because after I got done playing, uh, there was a real mental loss of all the, those practices and being on the court. And I, I felt like I was lost. I felt like there was uh, something wrong. So I really had to be medicated for about a year. Um, I had to talk to this uh, psych uh, psychologist for, for about a year. Uh, because I was getting a lot of anxiety. Uh, I was really surprised, but uh, luckily, uh, you know, I had a lot of people around me, wife, family. Uh, they thought I was an oddball anyway, and now, now I've got all this anxiety. So, but uh, that kind of faded after a period of time, and then I was back. Mm. And when you were back, did that competitiveness come back? Um, into the work that you were doing then? Well, I was coaching. So now it was a different arena to where I could learn, really, really learn how to coach. I wanted to do it really well. So I, I spent an extraordinary amount of time with our coaching staff. Luckily, there was a guy there, Tex Winter, who um, was really awesome because I would spend hours in his office just bothering him. And he was good with it. Uh, so that was fun. And to really just learn why we do what we do. And he was such a, a really, our staff at the time, that's including Phil and guys like Frank Hamlin and Jimmy Rogers. They'd, they'd uh, uh, to really watch those guys every day to learn how to coach and see how kind those guys were to each other, um, I love that because uh, it was it was a great, really great seeing that kind of a staff together, who um, uh, were not only really great coaches but just great people. Uh, and as you know, there's people you can't be around every day, but these guys, awesome. Mm -hmm. And so now, um, I think this is actually, there's a topic that we don't often talk about, which is, you know, age. And now you're in your 60s. Um, there's, you've had this really illustrious career. You have uh, a large family. You've got grandsons. Um, this is actually a question that one of our listeners asked who is in his 60s and uh, who said that he feels like you know, he's, he still has a lot of energy, a lot of competitiveness in him, but he's considered old now. And how do you think about continuing to motivate yourself, knowing that so many great years are behind you? And how do you keep setting big goals and big visions going forward? I think if you have a, a vision about doing something, you don't hesitate one second. I mean, I, I do things all the time that are kind of nerve-wracking for me. And it's like, um, like some people aren't really comfortable speaking in front of large groups. Well, I'm not really either. 
but I kind of do what to kind of scare myself and put myself in that situation uh, because it's like uh, it's like playing. It's like I can I can do that. I can do it. Just do it. And there's a sense of um, I don't know about you, but when I was younger. I would never thought I'd be jabbering as much as I do. And then now, of course, my kids are like, hey, Grandpa, you're really talking a lot. And I'm like, really? <laughs> so maybe I yeah, Maybe I turned to my dad. I don't know. But it's, um, you know, it's just like I said before, you're only bounded by your own thoughts. You know, a lot of, a lot of people have great inventions, great thoughts. And when would they come? Shouldn't they be coming right now that through your own life experience that maybe you've learned something and maybe you want to write a book to be able to put some of those thoughts out there that people that maybe aren't thinking right now or maybe probably forgotten because I can promise you that most of my great coaches are from the past. The guys now, their thoughts in coaching is a heck of a lot different, and I don't believe they're they're better. Um, I think that individuals now they have great talent, but their skill level for me for the old guys terrible. So I think that a lot of things are lost, uh, a lot of things are forgotten. Uh, so it's up to old guys like me and your call to to write it down. To tell them, hey, look, this is what should be happening right now. This is what people should be thinking right now. Because all that information is gone. And it's funny that I talk to my dad all the time uh, to talk about just history. And he'll tell me about different presidents that he didn't like. And, and he's got some really strong opinions. And it's really great to kind of hear those stories. Because uh, because you do forget, and there's, there's some great great information out there. Mm. And it's, um, I mean, it it kind of goes back to this idea that um, I think about a lot is just wisdom, and wisdom can come from any age. It can come from um, any experience. But uh, yeah, if you don't if you don't listen to it, if you don't record it, if you don't remember the lessons from history, you're just you're bound to repeat them. You do, and I, I still talk to my alumni guys who are um, in their 70s and 80s. I want to hear from those guys because there's a reason for what thing. Those guys are around in the 70s and 80s. I want to know what they've been doing. And you just learned a lot from experience. Um, and, it's, and it's actually the, the way to go. I mean, uh, if somebody's already been through what you want to do, they've already had that experience, I want that information. Uh, I don't know, maybe I'm lazy. I don't, I don't want to have to sit through, have to work through the experience. They already know, they already know what to do. Uh, so that, for me, that, that, that data is, is great. I wish I would have taken more advantage of that when I was younger. I was thinking differently then. But um, uh, there's just so many great lessons you can learn from the people you grow up with, besides your parents, people you went to school with, um, um, people who are older, they've already done it. So um, I just really, really like those thoughts. Mm. Yeah, well, one thing that has changed over time, um, and this is related to a lot of the work that I do uh, around gender equality and female empowerment, um, I actually listened to one of the things that you'd said in a in a different interview around what the Knicks coach um, Holtzman had said, a quote was, men should be men, figure it out. What does it mean to you today to be a man compared to what it was like when you were younger? Well, I, I think it's a different beast because there's everything's. Uh, I think it's, of course, the old guys are going to think it's easier now uh, because you have a lot more, and you do. You have uh, you have access to training. We have great training facilities to be an athlete. 
you have great, uh, um, you got the internet, you got great data. So I, I feel that as a man, it's kind of easier to get around. Um, so the thing that's a little bit tricky right now is that I think guys are a little more sensitive than they are when I was growing up because we didn't grow up in the mentality of, of uh, hurting each other's feelings. We didn't do that. It was like, we already know we're already on the same side, but uh, I, I felt like we held each other more accountable to, as opposed to now, uh, it's more the adults or coaches who are holding more people accountable. So we, I think that now, um, guys are a little more independent. They're, they do have their own thoughts, but I don't feel like we're, they're as connected with their teammates or with their siblings. Um, because we were kind of left to our own devices to kind of get around. Like uh, when I went to school, I can promise you, uh, I was in the car, it was me, I had my own stuff. I put all this stuff in the dorm room and my mom would say, you know, I'd leave on Sunday. My mom would say, hey, yeah, call me Wednesday and see if you made it. So, so you're on your own. You're definitely on your own. Uh, now it's different to where people are connected. There's, um, uh, I don't say that people are more coddled, but that's more the mentality that you had to deal with your own problems back then and not worry about anything. And then just overcome that and just move along. Yeah. So, uh, I just want to ask you about, you know, now there's a lot of people who are, watching this documentary, uh, The Last Dance, and thinking about the Chicago Bulls. And uh, for yourself, what's the kind of legacy that you hope to leave that when people think of Bill Cartwright, what are they going to say? I think, they're gonna, I, I think that people are going to say that exactly was not, that I'm, I'm, I'm the team guy and that um, if there was, uh, there was a problem, uh, at least for the team, uh, that I was pretty much in the middle of it, that um, I have no fear of telling anybody that um, what's wrong or what's right with my own opinion. And the tricky part uh, about that documentary is that everybody on the team is that way. So not only would a guy like me speak up, but everybody on the team. So what would people remember? They remember that uh, I'm the guy there who's there pretty much early every day, very consistent, gonna work extraordinarily hard. I'm not gonna let you down. Um, and I'm gonna be the, the guy who's really kind of the foundation of the team. So um, just very, very consistent every day. Uh, so it's pretty much it. Awesome. Um, and last question for you. What's one challenge, one micro action that you would like to leave with our audience? Something that they can either think about or do today to enhance their own leadership journey. I think the big thing is that, um, I always have this visualization of people and what are they thinking? Because I, I think that's what makes a good uh, leader is to be able to walk by somebody and see if they're having a bad day and to see if they're, what are they thinking? And is it to the betterment of themselves? because uh, I remember playing with, uh, with one of our guys, Dennis Hobson, who was Michael Jordan's backup. Now I can promise you this guy was mad, like all the time. And um, I'd walk up to him like, Hop, what are you thinking? 
He says, man, I'm not getting any run here. And I'm like, ha, did you get your check last week? And he started laughing. He's like, yeah, I got it. So you got no problem, son. So, but it wasn't even what I said to him. It was just, just that I was able to kind of let him vent it out and let him think about it. He's kind of okay. So my biggest thing is that for, that I think that I do well is to kind of see what people are thinking and to be able to understand and relate to them and try to get close to them, as close as they let you get close. Because uh, the closer I am to somebody, now I can really talk to them. And, uh, and, it's, and I think that that's what I'm best suited at uh, is other people mm. and, uh, and trying to get a feel for them. So, um, if I was to say anything of a leader is, I'm only as good as the people around me. If I can help them to be better, now I'm gonna be really, really good. And um, if I can share in those moments where things aren't so good to try to lift them up a little bit, now we got something. Well, thank you so much, Bill, for your leadership, for uh, being a great athlete, a great coach, and an inspiration for us today. Well, thank you. I enjoyed our time. Maybe we'll get down to Austin. I'll hear some music once we get back. I'd love that. That sounds great. All right. Well, thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode as much as I did. If you're ready to level up in your career and become a more powerful and purposeful leader, head over to theglow.org forward slash leadership to join our executive leadership training program. Again, that's T-H-E-G-L-O-W.org forward slash leadership to join today. You can find me at Lisa Carmen Wang on all social channels and lisacarmenwang.com. Never forget... You are enough. You are powerful. Now go out there and change the world.